Meryl Memo with Matthew Dickerson from Dubbo Regional Council. Hello everyone and welcome to this week's edition of Meryl Memo. Well, I'll tell you what, it's been another little busy week, hasn't it, out there in Dubbo Town and Wellington Surrounds. So, of course, today what we want to look at is a bit of an update on the recent storm. How's all that clean-up going? We're also going to have a bit of a uh, talk about and uh, discuss, I suggest, who attended the recent uh, new residence night. Plus, we're also going to find out about those final plans for the New South Wales Junior Touch Footy Competition. Another busy uh, little uh, podcast coming up here today, Matt, I'd suggest. So, how are you, first of all? Yeah, good, thank you. And you're right, it's a busy week. Seems to get busier and busier. It was actually nice for maybe a week or so over Christmas where it was just a little bit quieter. That's right, yeah. Things are ramping up and lots of things happening, which is fantastic, really. That's what you want to see. You don't want to see a community dying and yes. withering on the vine. You want to see it robust. You want to see it exciting. You want to see it activated and mm. lots of activity. Too much activity is what you're really after. So well, it's it always good great. to sort of see that vibrancy around the town, isn't it, when things are happening around the place? It is, actually. It really gives you a bit of a buzz being involved in some small way, but there are so many active people in our community, so many people doing so many different things. Mm. And that's one of the things I really enjoy about this job is hearing from different people when they tell you about some of the things that they're up to, some of the things happening in the community, whether it be involved in music or sport or organising functions mm. or raising some money for charity. There are so many people in our community doing some really great things. Mm. And I think it is a community that really cares about the rest of the community. So yes. they are really interested in making sure that things happen well in our community. So it's yeah, it's quite nice to be involved. Oh, it's wonderful to hear. So Matt, let's get ourselves started here today. Um, just to start off with in regards to the recent cleanup. Now, obviously, we talked about this last week after the, that terrible storm that went through and the damage that was done. Um, how's the cleanup going, first of all? How's the town feeling and looking? It was actually interesting. I did take note on the first couple of days after the storm, which was Thursday night, week ago, mm. and there was that sound of chainsaws and chippers that oh, were happening yeah. as you yes. went around the community. I went for a bit of a bike ride and heard a bit of that noise, and, and I thought to myself, that's probably going to be the sound of Dubbo for the next week, and that mm. was probably about what happened yeah. over the following week. We did get a chance, councillors got a chance to go out and visit the SES headquarters out near the airport, Okay, and that was fascinating, just talking to some of the volunteers, they'd come in to have some lunch and just basically have a bit of a break during mm. the day, and just hearing from them some of the stories about various incidents that they'd attended, mm. they had about 250 phone calls by the Thursday night after that storm, but one of the things that we found fascinating was up on the wall was a map of all the various locations right. of where all the call-outs had occurred. Yep. And it was quite obvious looking at that map that you saw this sort of path that the the wind or that right. the, the real activity had occurred and it was mainly focused around Eastridge. Is that that seemed right? to be where okay. it hit hardest. Yep. And then it kind of came down, obviously, past your school, past yes, which has there. been absolutely demolished. That's yes. right, and down through a little bit through South Dubbo and yep. you could just see that path that it had taken throughout there. Right. So it was interesting. We talked last week about the fact that we were doing free drop-offs for Green Waste for mm. a week, which ended on the 19th. And so that was a, a small thing that council could do where you didn't have to pay to take out your green waste that had broken off, fallen yep. over, whatever, in that storm. And so you could jump, drop that off at the tip. Now, we analysed where people were coming from, analysed a bit of the data from the SES, because we wanted to do a little bit more, but we just didn't have the ability to the resources with our own staff and couldn't get contractors involved to do an extra curbside cleanup, for example, of green yep. waste. And so we worked out 
what else could we possibly do? Mm. And so we did an extra green waste bin collection. Now, that's already happened. Okay. That happened on Saturday the 18th. Yep. And we did it just around that East Ridge area. So we the actually, main hit area, you basically felt that was the, probably the biggest need area. Well, that's, you hit the nail on the head. It was the greatest need. And what we found, because we were getting information from people when they took their green waste out to the tip, mm. about 70% of the green waste that was dumped at the tip under that offer that we had for free dumping there was from the East Ridge area. Okay. So we thought that would be a logical place to do it. Now, for some people, obviously, they couldn't always load up a trailer and get out there. Mm. And for some people, it was only small branches, small items. So basically, we did an extra green waste bin collection. Excellent. And that wasn't at too much expense to council. And that was something we could do within the resources we had available to us. So that seemed to be something that worked well. I'm sure other people in Dubbo would say, well, why did you pick up my area? Mm. But again, we're trying to go to the area of greatest need. Always when council makes decisions like this, you're going to have some people who are going to miss out and there would yeah. be some people in other areas that said, well, I couldn't get out there as well. I might be a bit older. I don't have a vehicle. Or, mm. and so there's all those stories. But again, what we're trying to do is just something to try and help out mm. as many people as we possibly could within the budgetary constraints we had. So it seemed to be well received by the people who had the green waste pickup, obviously. Yes, yes, absolutely. And I haven't heard too much from the rest of Dubbo, but mm. again, we we're doing the best we possibly could with the constraints that we had. Well done. Now, Matt, uh, late last week you attended the, or this week, should I say, you attended the New Residence Night. Now, this is always a, a nice night, I'd suggest, for the, the Mayor to turn up to. So this is the group that, they're new residents in town, but they're not new Australians. So these are the basically people who have chosen to move from another city or town in Australia to come here to Dubbo. So first and foremost, how many people turned up to this night? Yeah, well, the one we had last week or, or in this week just gone, yes. we had about 150 people That's a great registered number. to turn up. Now, yeah. I didn't actually do a head count there on the night, but we'd know those numbers. But but pretty close to that looked like they were there. It was old yeah. Dubbo Jar, so it was a big area there. But it's one of the things that we started back when I was mayor before with the City Council. We started them back then, and it was something that we did, I can't remember, but it was probably two or three times a year. Mm. Just all the people that have moved to Dubbo since the last New Residence Night. Yeah. And they're not, you, you said they're not new Australians, they're new to our city. Sometimes they are new Australians well, as well. Be, I suppose, that's right. Yes. But it really is focused on if you've moved to Dubbo from anywhere else in the world, then come along. We invite mm. you along. Now, we mm. don't sit there and check passports and <laughs> their driver's license and make sure they've checked it. It's, it's a bit of an honesty system, but mm. we find that people are pretty good about it. They're not going to turn up to a night that isn't really for them. Mm. What we do have, there's a few things about it, and I, and I love them actually. I really enjoy them. Mm. We, one of the things we do is we have a range of different groups that are involved in Dubbo activities. So, for example, it might be service clubs or sporting clubs or clubs for organisations for people that are... So they all come along on the night as well, do they? They set up a table. We give them a, a table to set up on. And it's really, if I moved to somewhere new, I'd be looking for some ways to involve myself in yes. the community. So if I, not that I ever plan on leaving Dubbo, but if I did yes. leave Dubbo, then I'd be going, well, what Rotary Club could I join? Mm. And is there a mountain bike club I can go and mm. ride my mountain bike with? And is there some other sort of club or organisation that I get involved with in some way, shape or form. So what we do is we try and encourage that because we want people to have a really good experience there. So all the stall holders... So it's quite an interactive experience. It's it's not the classic sort of turn up to an event
when someone talks and a cup of tea at the end and we all walk away. It's, no, it's a, an interactive type experience in that way. We want them to be out there talking to those different stallholders. We want them to be engaged, involved. Could they go along? Is there a musical instrument they wanted to learn? Mm. So they go along to the Macquarie Conservatorium and sign up there. Yeah. Or is there, have they got a business interest? So the Chamber of Commerce is, is there set up. So all these different types of groups mm. and we had about 24, it was, during the week of those stallholders. So it's there's a, a lot there for people to look at. Yeah. And then, again, 150 residents yeah. there. And then what we do is we do a few little games with them, give them some prizes. I like to give them a bit of a quiz and I just make of a few questions. Absolutely. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> about Dubbo, typically. So they learn a bit about Dubbo yeah. while they're answering a few questions and then win a couple of prizes at the end. Yeah. And then what we normally do is a, a few things where we might say, how far have you moved from? Who's yeah. moved the furthest distance? Have you moved more than 50 kilometres than most people stay yeah. in? And then more than 100 and a few people get knocked out. And then more than 500, more than like that. You get to the stage where you'll normally get to the thousands of kilometres that people have moved. Yeah. And then I normally like to just go around and interview a few people. We've got yeah. the microphone and go So tell me then, it, it, who... These new residents, have we got, uh, without obviously disclosing names and things <laughs> like that, but yep. so, so where are some of these people coming from? Well, it, it really is literally all over the place. So yeah. I, I talked to one particular person there from Nowra, right. had someone else there from Hobart, so it's, it's you know, nearby not? and it's, yeah. a, it's a long, much further away. Had someone that was quite interesting from Victoria, right. and they'd gotten to the stage where they were just a bit sick of the lockdowns, because one of the things I like to do mm. is, as I say, that's great, you've moved here, you've obviously shown that you're more intelligent than most average Australians because you've moved to Dubbo, <laughs> but now tell me why, tell me what were the yeah. exact circumstances, and, and they vary, sometimes it's a job opportunity, yeah. the Victorian couple was really, they were sick of the lockdowns, they wanted to get out of there, they'd had holidays up around the Gold Coast, around Maroochydore from right. time to time, and they'd driven through Dubbo, they'd stayed at Dubbo sometimes, and they said, well, if we're going to move out of Victoria, well, that Dubbo seemed like quite a nice place. So they specifically chose Dubbo. The work that that particular couple did mm. could be done anywhere. They were very mobile in what their actual work was. So for some people, it's about a particular job being advertised. Yep. But for this couple, it was really about, well, we can go anywhere. Where mm. do we want to choose? So out of all the places they could have chosen, they wanted to be out of Victoria. So yeah, that ruled yeah. out all of Victoria. <laughs> then they could choose anywhere and they chose Dubbo. So you, you hear lots of those stories yeah. like that where people are, are moving, sometimes it's for their partner's work and yep. they've come along for the ride, yep. sometimes it's schooling opportunities. Mm. But it, it's actually really enjoyable just talking to some of those people and finding out some of the background, some of the information. And again, we've been doing them twice a year at this mm. stage, obviously out of COVID, there were some interruptions there. But mm. hopefully what I've suggested we ramp them back up to three times a year because we almost had too many people there tonight. When you've got that many people, yeah. I like to get a bit more information out of people, but I just didn't have the chance. I well, had two hours. Of, speaking of which, like, whereabouts did we hold it at this time around? Is it the Western Plains Cultural Centre? Is that a normal sort of place we would go to, or where do we go to this time? Yeah, we have had them at the Cultural Centre before. Yeah. This time we've had we held this particular one at the jail. And I'm, oh, again, the jail? Go back to my old time as mayor. We used to hold them at the jail almost all the time because mm. – it's different. Yeah. The cultural centre is fantastic, but when you look at that little function area, we kind of hold them in the foyer of yep. the cultural centre. That's a lovely area, mm. but that could be lots of different foyers of lots of different buildings mm. across the nation. Yes, yeah, true. Old Dubbo Jail, there aren't many places that It's you quite can unique, hold. isn't it? It's, it's not – I don't say it's quite unique because there are – I don't actually use the term quite unique because unique is binary, yes or no. So <laughs> it's not it's not unique. Yes. There are other places, but it's rare. Mm. So I like the idea that they look around there and they go, oh, mm. wow, this is pretty interesting. I've had an interesting experience. They may not have been there before. They may have. Mm. But we get in there and we get a few nibbles from the council and we mm. get a bit of a discussion. We hear from the mayor. And that's actually interesting for some people, especially people that moved out of metro areas. Mm. 
I think I've said to you before, I'm just a normal person. I'm not anything special. I mm. happen to be the mayor, but that doesn't make me special. But for some of these people, they'll come up to me and they'll say, I really appreciate that you've come along. I moved from wherever they might have moved from. Mm. I've never met a councillor or a mayor before. So I think it's really special that you come along. For me, I wouldn't possibly think about having that night without me being mm. there because I think mm. it's a mark of respect yes. for those new people that have moved here yep. that the mayor bothers to get up off his seat and walk down to the jail and say, welcome along, thanks yeah, very much. Yeah. But in this particular one, we had our state member, Dougal Saunders, came along. We normally have a representative from the police. We had a few of our councillors, Shibley Showdery, Jess Goff, Richard Ivey, Vicky Etheridge all came along as well. They drew out a couple of the lucky door prizes we gave away. Yeah. So I think the community actually has a huge amount of respect for the fact that council and elected representatives come along. Our CEO was there. I mean, mm. how many times would... People mm. normally, if you lived in some suburb in Sydney, how often would you get a chance to talk to the general manager of a local council? Yeah. So all those things, some of our directors from council there, I just think that's, yeah, it's a really mark of respect to those people that have come along. Yeah. And they feel a bit special as well that we've bothered to come along and well, welcome too, them. The thing I love about that is the fact that it shows too the fact, as you say, it's a mark of respect to these people. But it also shows, I'd suggest, the fact that, that just how important that we see this as uh, here in Dubbo, when we get these new residents in. As you say, it is the mark of respect, but it's also for us too. This is a, a sign of the fact. This is who we are here in Dubbo. Is this, we, we value you guys coming here. Yeah. We value our new residents, and this is how we show that, is the fact that uh, our dignitaries, but, uh, you know <laughs> what I mean, now, the important people in our community group here are making important decisions, are there to sort of there to welcome them in. So that's fantastic. And I think it's a really good point you make there that – it's showing them, it's all well and good to say, you're really important to us, you're in your residence, but if you don't do anything to back it up, it seems a bit hollow. Mm. Whereas mm. you're important to us and we'll show you how important you are by putting a function on for you, by having, as you say, the dignitaries yeah. come along. I think those things are all very important. But you can imagine too, some of those people tonight, especially some of the kids that were there, often families moved to Dubbo, yeah. and some of the kids will be chatting away to some of their friends back from wherever they came from and go, oh, you know, went to a function tonight and, and there's some councillors and the mayor and the local member there yeah, and they'll go, yeah. really? Oh, well, that's pretty cool. Yeah, so all of those things there I think just adds up to this being a really good community yeah. and this being a great community. For well, what a great to. way to welcome our new residents. Now, during the week, Matt, uh, you had a meeting in regards to the 12-mile intersection there, the Gilmer Road 12-mile intersection. This is heading out towards the Badangra site, the renewable energy site. Um, I'd be suggesting the fact that uh, this sounds like an important meeting worthwhile discussing because um, there's a lot of stuff happening out in this area. And I'm assuming that this must be in regards to the residents in this area and possibly I'd suggesting talking about what's actually happening out in that area, um, giving you feedback in regards to their thoughts, I'd suggest, and what's going forward. So tell us a little about actually how the meeting went and, and what their concerns are. Yeah, so it was a bit like we talked before, and it was only last week, I think, where we talked about a meeting we had along Saxa Road about the causeway there and just meeting with residents. And mm. that was a, a formal organised meeting in Comabella Hall. Mm-hmm. And so this was a little bit different. This was a couple of residents uh, along that 12-mile road. Yeah. And again, people will probably be familiar with that intersection as you're going towards Mudgee. When you go on that Gilmer Road, you turn around to the left to go down towards the jail sites and just to the right, the road goes off or if you went straight ahead actually it would keep right, going and right. that's 12 mile road along there yep. so effectively there'll be a wind farm built out there maybe about 15 kilometers out along that 12 mile road 
One of the great opportunities that I see for some of these renewable energy projects that are being built around that Bedenga area outside Wellington is that you've got an opportunity for the people building these particular renewable energy projects need to have roads in good enough condition for their heavy vehicles to get on them. Mm. Some of these roads aren't used a lot. Some of these roads aren't in great condition. They've mm. been damaged by water, obviously, but for many years they haven't been in great condition. Just sort of a typical sort of those minor little roads there that sit out and a lot across New South Wales, across Australia, I'd suggest. Yeah, that's right. Not a lot of traffic on them. It's hard yeah. to justify spending too much money on them, but they'll need to, these proponents will need to spend money on them to get those roads to a good standard. So there's an opportunity there, but at the same time, they've got to get it right. And so that's, hence sometimes residents want to talk to members of council, our staff, just to try and see how they can get it right. Mm. It's actually a little bit frustrating from our perspective because council is not the consent authority to any of these renewable energy projects. Yeah, so we've talked about this, haven't we, in yeah. regards to it, you have a voice, but you don't have much of a... It's a squeak, squeaky yeah, little mouse voice. it's a squeaky little voice, but there's, <laughs> there's, there's not a lot of strength behind it, so to speak. No, yeah. and that's, that's the problem. So a proponent comes along to put one of these particular projects in, and don't get me wrong, I'm mm. all in favour of them. I think it's fantastic. And they're deemed to be state significant developments, SSDs. So they go through a particular planning process mm. that effectively is under the control of the state government. Now, they'll tell council about those projects and they'll ask for an opinion from council. They'll ask for our thoughts, maybe at a technical level, this particular road here, what do you think we need to do to this road to mm. fix it up or this intersection? Mm. But they can do whatever they want with our advice. They can ignore mm. it completely. They can say, gee, that's really good information you've given there, but we're not going to go with that. We don't get to be the ones to say mm. yes or no. Therefore, we don't actually get to control the project. But mm. unfortunately, we are local government. So we're at the coalface with residents. So residents turn to us first yes. to get some help on these projects. The best we can do, and, and these particular residents I spoke to during the week, I said, I'm happy to send a letter with a mayoral crest on the top and yes. signed by the mayor. Yes. I said, but I don't have the power you think I have. Mm. They'll get that mayoral letter and they'll go, gee, that's great. The mayor is supporting the residents there and thanks very much. They don't need to take no any more notice power of it. that you have than possibly some of the residents. I well, in, in fact, sometimes the residents have more power because. There might be more of them because mm. they're voicing an opinion on behalf of a group of residents. Mm. And so sometimes they'll actually listen to the residents more than they will yeah, a mayor okay. because they're concerned about what the impact might be around that local area and about the, I suppose, social license that they might have from those local residents. Mm. Again, there's a consent that the state government will give or eventually will give, and it will have certainly con certain conditions for what the road will have to do. Some residents might want other treatments of the road, and sometimes they're just going to ignore that. They're mm. going to make it safe for the project to go ahead, but it mightn't be to the level that residents want. So mm. sometimes it can be a bit frustrating. It's good to have discussions with residents about that, but it's also a complete lack of understanding for mm. many residents because they turn to council for everything. Mm. That's mm. The, 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 the general opinion. And it was actually interesting, I, I didn't mention it, but at the new residence night, we had the mayor of Gilgandra come along, Doug oh, Batten. Okay. And I, I get on very well with Doug. Yes. I, I've known Doug for a long what, time. Did you try and take a few of our residents across the Gilgandra? Well, we did joke about that, saying, <laughs> who are you here to steal some of our good residents? That's right. He actually had rung our staff earlier on in the day and just said, do you mind if I come along, bring one of our staff members along to look at what you do because we'd like to do something similar in your gander. And yeah. we're more than happy with that. We'd like to share oh, ideas around. Nice. But we actually had a chat about it at the new residence night and mm. we we're talking about some of the various things that councils get involved with because mm. your gander council is doing something with inland rail, building some houses for them, for some of their executives, mm -hmm. and it's a, it's a good idea. But council gets involved in so many things. And we both talked about one example that we know of, which is Brewarana, mm. where at one stage 
they built a hairdressing studio because they found that they couldn't get people to move to Barwarana because people said you can't even get a haircut there. Yeah, right. So council got involved in... Council went and started a business yeah. of a hairdressing studio and How brought in staff. <laughs> no good at all. <laughs> <laughs> brought in staff to man that. And essentially, you're there as a council thinking, why are we running a hairdressing studio? Mm. So council does get involved in lots of things. Mm. People turn to council for lots of their problems and expect council to have all the answers. And mm. unfortunately... We don't. I've had people ask me to fix interest rates, to change tax laws, all sorts of wonderful yeah. things. Yeah, right. I'd love to have the power yeah, to do yeah, all the things that people ask me to yeah. do. It may well be a position coming up soon with the Reserve Bank. You never know. <laughs> that's <laughs> right. I, I did say I'll jump on the phone, chat to my good mate Phil Lowe and get him to right. sort that out. So it, it is a bit frustrating from a council perspective. Even the whole concept around planning agreements, paying money from solar farms. Solar mm. farms, batteries don't have to pay any money. Wind farms do. Mm. No one's been able to explain that to me. I don't understand that. And mm. again, the community says, well, why don't you just tell them they can't go ahead until they pay that money? I said, we'd love to do that. But again, we don't get to you say don't no. Have authority on that, do you? We don't have the authority no. on that. So mm. it's one of those things you need to make sure you know what you can do in terms of the laws around council, mm. what council laws, what council as an entity can do, mm. and make sure you focus on those things and things that are outside those. Mm. Sometimes there's no point spinning your wheels on that. You're wasting mm. a lot of time and energy for something that you can't control. Mm. So you, you've got to be aware of that. And yeah. it might sound like you're fobbing it off sometimes to a resident, but there's lots of things we can control and we've yeah. got to work on. You've only got so many hours in a day. You've only got so many dollars in the bank. You've got to use those the most effectively. Absolutely. I like this one, uh, Matt uh, Barbara Grave. What a wonderful woman who's done an enormous amount for Dubbo, and particularly for those who don't know Barb, Barb's the, the president of the Dubbo Estead for Society. And uh, now, during the week, I have a feeling the fact that Barb has clicked up, is it 27 years I now? I think she's entering her 27th year. 27th yeah. year, that's As amazing. It, eh? so like, and uh, God loving it. So Barb, for those who don't know, was an uh, ex-school teacher, and is now obviously retired from teaching and very much now involved with the Stedford and runs that wonderful program that sets with every June here in Dubbo that uh, runs it through. So during the week, you went along uh, to the Stedford Committee. And was it this for the election of Barb again for her 27th year of presidency? Is that how it worked? Or? So this is their AGM. And so it's AGM, okay. And the mayor of the city, for Which better or for worse, yes, that's it, yes. gets to come along and run the election oh. for the AGM of the okay. city of Stepford. Now, I'm a big fan of the Stepford. My kids have competed for years. Yes. I've competed. I competed when I was a kid. I've competed in recent years when kids have been doing things and I go and do some poetry yeah, with them, yeah. whatever it might be. So, huge fan of the Stepford. I think yes. it's wonderful. And they do do a, a wonderful job. A group of volunteers. Typically, it runs for about 18 days. So mm-hmm. many different disciplines with mm-hmm. dance, with mi- instruments, uh, with obviously the, the poetry, with yes. you know, the, the drama, those type of things they yes. do. So, absolutely wonderful job. And again, just listening to themselves, so actually quite enjoyable going along. I do enjoy going to the AGM each year. Mm. And yes, technically I'm there to run the election because they need someone external okay. from the committee to run the election. Is it like an honorary position sort of thing? Is that right? It no. seems to be, yeah. The, yes. the mayor of the city seems to have been on that. I don't know for how long, but I remember when I was back mayor of Dubbo City Council, mm. I did it each year then. Don't okay. know how many years previous mayors had done it before that, but again, back in now, and that's yeah. one of the jobs I get to do there again, which is great. Yes, yes. Uh, but again, you've got all these dedicated people all sitting around, mm. and obviously the election process is pretty simple because they've normally nominated someone, there'll be normally one person stand and, and yep. that's it, and you go through and you've got the new committee and on they go and get started organising. Now you're right, it's the middle of the year they hold it. Mm. Here we are, the AGM is in February, but they'll start planning that 
probably pretty much from now, mm. and it'll be... Oh, it's a massive event of planning. That's right. And think about all the entries that have got to be put in. Absolutely. So you've got to plan all that, just yes. getting the categories, making sure you've got the right categories there, then actually running the event, getting mm. volunteers to run the event. Mm. So it is a, a really good institution in Dubbo. And having done various efforts with the kids over the years at various locations, probably eight or nine different locations around the region, mm. I just always felt like, and maybe I'm a bit biased, but I always felt like the city of Dubbo Steadford just ran that a little bit nicer, a little <laughs> bit smoother, a little bit more efficiently. Orange and Bathurst may disagree, but I'll, I'll, I'm with you on the Dubbo front. Don't yeah, worry. They, yeah, they yeah. may. And, and again, it's one of those things that you've seen it happen for so many years, you just take it for granted. But yes. no, there's people behind the scenes who are working very hard it to make it happen. Special. So congratulations to that committee again. It was very enjoyable going along, talking to those ladies. And, and when I say ladies, it was all ladies there at the night. <laughs> there, is, there is one, uh, the one male. The only rooster in the hen house. So that's right. There's yes. one male on the committee, but he wasn't there on that night. So okay. I was there all by myself, but that was okay. They're all very lovely ladies. Absolutely. Uh, but again, just seeing what happens there and seeing Barb, mm. uh, Again, just people there. No one was going to oppose Barb. Barb can have that job no, as long no, as she no, likes. It's a bit like Queen Elizabeth II. I think she'll have that's that right. reign until she <laughs> passes away. God love her. Possibly, possibly. <laughs> I know we uh, we had a little talk about this game back um, oh, a couple of podcasts back now, and this is obviously after Australia Day. Now, the Wellington Australia Day uh, we've talked about, um, but there's obviously. It's important, I think, for every committee that is involved in something like an Australia Day celebration. There needs to be the debrief, and I know we, we mentioned this recently. Now, this is a very important debrief, and I'd also suggest from this debrief there's going to be some important uh, decisions made. I'd suggest with consultation, too, with the community uh, in regards to are we going to continue to run uh, Australia Day in Wellington on the 25th. Um, is the community happy with it? Certainly sounds like it went. It was a great day. Um, how did the debrief meeting go? So it, you are right. It is important to actually have that sort of debrief after various events. And again, something that happens once a year, mm. if you don't look at it again until we start planning it for next year, everyone sits around, no, I had last year go. Oh, I think it was okay. I can't remember. That was a long time ago now. Mm, so mm. having that debrief fairly soon after the actual event. So we had the debrief for the Wellington Australia Day Committee just in the last week. And one of the things that we talked about there was the impressions of various people on the committee, how various things went there, and mm. just a few bits of feedback there. But you're right, most importantly, it'll go out now to a survey, to the community, to see what the community thought about a whole range of things. Some of the things that will be important aspects will be the actual time of the event. So we've got permission now from Andrew Giles, mm. the minister, the relevant minister at the federal level, they'll change, or they've already changed the Australian Citizenship Ceremonies Code mm. so we can have a three-day window before or after the actual 26th. That's going to be significant, isn't it? Like it will be, and it will give is... you more flexibility when yeah. you hold the event. It just so happens to be that next year, Australia Day falls on a Friday. Okay. So the Thursday night mm. beforehand would make sense. Mm. But again, mm. as you go forward in different years, it might change. It might become mm. always a Friday night event mm. or a Saturday night event. But even there was a bit of feedback there mm. from the Croquet Club. This is feedback through the debrief meeting. Okay. Where the Croquet actually, Club. The Croquet Club in right. Wellington said that they went to the event on the night before, the 25th, the evening of, and then the next day they thought, well, great, we've got all Australia Day free. So they organised an extra Croquet 
club meeting, okay. an event, uh, just a little mini. So it opened up their, their scheduling for them. Exactly right. So they could mm. then go and play. So they spent the morning of the 26th playing croquet, which is mm. fantastic. And, and that was part of what we wanted to do. Mm. Free up Australia Day to do whatever you want to do, play croquet or go to the dam or lay in bed or whatever mm. you wanted to do, mm. free that up. So the, the general feedback from the committee seemed to be the 25th worked well, the night before worked well. We probably liked the idea of pushing it back maybe half an hour, maybe yeah. even an hour, because 5.30 start, it was still warmish. Yeah. By 6 o'clock, it was just that little bit cooler. So if we started the event at 6 o'clock, that'd be good. The whole ceremony went for about an hour and a half, and we thought that was just a little bit long. Mm-hmm. So maybe we might just reduce the number of people that we give the opportunity to speak to. So just a few little fine-tuning mm. things like that. So if we got it back to about an hour, we thought that'd be good. So it might be... Six to seven, it might be, say, 6.30 to 7.30, because it doesn't really get dark at that time of the year mm. till probably 8.30. I mean, twilight, official twilight might be, or sunset might be 8 o'clock, but mm. obviously it doesn't get dark well, immediately particularly sunset. particularly if you, and you could well strike a day of 40 degrees. Yeah, yeah that's right. Exactly right. Mm. So mostly positive feedback, okay. mostly seemed to go well. The addition of an Aboriginal elder speaking as one of the three speakers seemed to go down well. So again, refine that, get mm. the information out of the community, mm. and then we'll see what we do next year. One of the issues that was raised certainly by the committee was what will Dubbo do next yeah. year? Now, we'll go and survey the community as well and find out. But, for example, they had a concern that if it was held as a twilight event in Dubbo and Wellington, then they really appreciated lots of councillors. We had seven councillors down at the event. Mm. And so you're not going to get seven councillors mm. in Wellington and we had eight in Dubbo because you can't be in two places at once. That's right. So that's a bit of an issue. We had some stalls, some of the various stalls at the market event in Wellington and Dubbo were the same stall holders, but they could do that on Friday night and then mm. the sorry on the Thursday night then the Friday morning uh, so that was nice mm. you could actually I got that the wrong way around wasn't it it was it fell on a Thursday Australia so it was a Wednesday night and then the Thursday sorry my apologies That's so right. you, I, was, I was asleep anyway mate. Yeah, good, I was good, still good, coming thanks, back yeah. from uh, <laughs> that jet lag thing so <laughs> uh, so you could have this, the same stall holders be there on the toilet and then yeah. in the morning but if you held them both as toilet events then obviously those stall holders can't be in both places at once so there's yeah. a few little things to fine tune there We'll have the Dubbo Australia Day Committee a debrief from that as well, and we'll go out to a survey to mm. Dubbo residents, see what they thought, and then from that we'll make some council decisions and go forward next year. It's going to make for some very interesting discussion, I'd suggest, over the next few months. Now, this is a very, very exciting announcement, Matt, that uh, I actually saw uh, on the news during the week. Um, now, this is in regards to the state government has given uh, Dubbo City Council here over $9 million to develop this new northwest residential area. Now, I know we, uh, this is, again, this is part of the reason I think we need to discuss this today because, again, in a recent podcast, we talked about this this whole idea of this northwest region as being part of the advanced area where the, the new subdivisions are going to be happening here in Dubbo. Dubbo's growing. We just talked about our new residents. We can see here the fact that it's an attractive city for lots of reasons. There's lots of people coming here. But this was always going to be, I would suggest, one of those sort of a bit in the future type plans. But I'm thinking now that this in the future type plans is uh, is coming forward. It's actually not no, so much like uh, some of those back to the future type movies. It's actually going to be, I suggest, maybe in the next year or two possibly. Is that what the plan is here for Dubbo, for this region now? The whole, now that we have this money? The whole idea of the advanced infrastructure fund is to, sorry, accelerated infrastructure fund is to accelerate infrastructure. And that's mm. exactly what this will do. So you're right, the planning for the whole Northwest Precinct, we've got a precinct plan there. We've got really a, a rough plan for it at the moment. We'll f- mm. get down to finer detail in terms of size of blocks and exactly where various pieces of infrastructure will go. But mm. 
as a developer, as council, as a developer, we've got about 6,000 blocks in there in council 6, land. 6,000 blocks. And that's council land and some private right, land, owned right. land uh, past some of the council Can land. Can I just sort of get some perspective on that? So let's say that the, the current area, the Keswick Estate area, which is being developed by council there, how many blocks in that area? So we can sort of get a bit of an idea of the sizing. I don't know the exact number of blocks in the entire Keswick development, but keep in mind that as long as I've been on council, I can remember selling blocks in Keswick. So there's at least a 20-year history of sales in Keswick, and we're still selling more blocks now. But without the exact numbers, I would estimate that if you looked at the land development from the very beginning of the first sales in Keswick through to when Keswick will be finished and added in the South Lakes area, so that entire area there, this new northwest precinct will be larger than that. So I can't tell you, I'm sorry for how many homes are in there, but a lot. A lot, yes. (laughs) Somewhere around about that figure. Okay, Approximately a lot. So So we're talking similar numbers here in the northwest. We're talking a fairly big area there. Keep in Mm. mind that, again, it's not just the council-owned land, it's the land past. It's all that Bungal Gumby land back to the river, all that land around there, Mm. the area where the new bridge, the new River Street Bridge will go, so sort of the area past there. The plan from council was always that we developed that precinct plan, the master plan, if you like, mm. and work on getting to the point at some stage where we'd say, right, we need to develop some blocks of land there. We'll put in a little bit of the infrastructure, the underground pipes, the sewerage pipes, the water, the telecommunications, put in some of the road mm. and then develop a bit of the parcel of land and then sell some blocks yeah. and then do that again. And that's the way developers typically work is that you don't go and develop a whole area because it's too much money mm. you're putting in the ground. Interest charges just cost you too mm. much. So mm. you'll typically develop in little spots, then yep. you'll sell a few off. Yep. And then you'll do a bit more and sell a few off. And as you're yep. getting your money from those past sales... You work can, your way through it. Yeah, you can feed yeah. that in. And in fact, when I speak to developers sometimes, when they buy a, a large parcel of land and they develop that and they're selling all those blocks of land, it might be 10 years later, I might be talking to a developer saying, right, we've now got these last 30 blocks we're selling off. Mm. These are the ones we finally get a profit from. Yep. All yep. the other money that we kept getting, we kept pouring it back in, yes, kept pouring yeah. it back in. And they're making profit along the way, but it's a profit that gets poured yes, back into the next to cover part. the next lot of costs of the next lot of development. Exactly, yes, yeah, that's yes. right. And then finally, get the last ones, you go, right, we've paid for everything now, so we finally make money on this last yeah. lot. So it's a long-term game, that development. For yep. council, that's fine. We're mm. not so focused on driving that profit. We do want to make money because it saves mm. the community money, but it's about providing the blocks of land for the community. So this particular fund, $9.23 million, it's a lot of money. And that's the exciting yeah. part. Some people sometimes complain that council doesn't get enough grants from government or doesn't get enough funding coming in. But you know, lately, I think we've done some really good strategic work. And mm. this here in particular was great strategic work. So when this accelerated infrastructure fund became available, when the money for that became available, we had this perfect project to say, if we get some money from the government, we can go and accelerate that, put the roads in, put all the underground infrastructure for not just our development, mm. but the developments that are past there. And those developers, those private developers, would not have developed those developments yes. until we'd basically finished ours because they're not going to pay for all those connections that yep. they need back Which to our development. Which is infrastructure they believe council should be putting in anyway, I suggest. Well, they would. And, and it's not just because it's council, but any developer, you're typically waiting for in or closer to the community developments, closer Mm. to the CBD developments, to finish before you can finally connect to their pipes. Mm. And if I'm a developer, I don't go and run all my pipes and all my roads all to the edge of my development. Mm. I do it in that piecemeal approach, one part at a time, one part at a time. And then finally, if I'm a developer that owns some land on the next section, I'm Mm. going, hurry up and get 
you know, things to me mm, so I can mm. then connect in and start running through my development. Yeah. But this accelerated infrastructure fund means that we can do all that work and that opens up opportunities for other developers as well mm. because they'll have the ability to connect into the infrastructure that yeah. we've got in the ground and the roads that we've got on the ground. Yeah. So it can help our development, it can help those blocks of land, it can help those other developers. But it's a pretty exciting path of land because 6,000 homes, you've got probably no more than two kilometres from the CBD of Dubbo. It's a pretty close area, isn't it? it Very is. close to that. Yeah, fantastic. You've got river along there, so yes. that'll be nice. You'll so probably is this going to go right down to the river? So you're almost like river-type frontage or close to it? I wouldn't say necessarily frontage, but you're going to be pretty close to the river area there, I suggest. If you have a look at some of that precinct plan, you'll see that some of that river area is kept for open space, mm. and that's obviously an important part of it. Some of that land goes under in a one-in-one-hundred-year flood, mm. so we're not going to build houses on that you're going to have that for playing fields or for mm. environmental space whatever it might be mm. i don't want to go down the path because that's a different master plan we're talking yeah, about but yes. but some of that stuff really close to the river mm. probably won't have houses on there but it's not too far away so yeah, people that live great. there if they want to access the river if they want to go down there might be some open space there there might be a pedestrian path there across the other side of the river to get to the cbd yeah. so it'll be a pretty nice area mm. and all that new greenfield site so the great part about that is we can have a good variety of housing stock as well. So mm. it might be some larger blocks, it might be some smaller blocks, it might be some townhouses, it so might it be some apartment blocks. Last week's podcast in regards to uh, you know, changing up the, the variables in regards to the land sizes that we're selling here. Yeah, that's right. So it could be smaller block sizes, but it's not going to be a whole development of 300 square metres. No. But no. it will be a variety of developments catering to the modern development environment that our residents are wanting, mm. in fact, probably demanding, we've got to do that. We've got to have that variety. Mm. So it's really mm. exciting. It's a big open area at the moment, mm. uh, a bunch of just you know, grass and birds that you look at across the moment, but mm. it won't take long. Mm. And we're having continuing discussions with different levels of government, yeah. but we want one of our roads to connect into the bridge so that you'll have easy access for people to get onto the mm. new River Street Bridge or the, the new Dubbo Bridge. Yes, yes. And so we've got some agreement out of transport from South Wales at this stage, yeah. but we're not entirely happy with that connection, so we're going to keep working on them for that one. I've got two questions for you. Sure. Number one, what's the, the time frame of actual starting on this? And, and are we looking at actually you know being able to sell blocks within a certain time frame? And mm. number two... State government money we're talking here, is that right? State government, so $9.23 million from the state government direct to council. Is this assured money based on the fact we've got the state government elections coming up soon? Is this money yeah. that's always going to be there? Or? Yeah, great question. So there are things that will be election promises, I'm sure, yeah. but this one is not one of those. This, okay. is, this one is you've got the money, it's done, finished, doesn't matter what happens in the election, it's already a done deal. Oh, wow, okay, great. So that's Money fantastic. in the bank almost, so That's what we want, yeah, exactly right. Go back to your first question. Mm. A whole range of steps, and I won't bore you with all the various details. What I would say is I would suggest to you an approximate time frame would be by the end of 2024, we'll have someone building a house over there. Wow. So there's That's, a fair bit to go yeah. through in terms of planning, in terms of some of the infrastructure in the ground, some of the, mm. the actual dirt that will be turned to actually build some of this. There's a bridge there, obviously, that's being built in uh, alongside it, not by us, of course, mm. but by the state government alongside that. But all of that whole project... Forget about all the details there. Mm. I think pretty close by the end of next year, you'll yeah. see someone building a house there. So in other words, you're going to start to see things starting to happen pretty soon. Yeah, absolutely right. Now, speaking of master plans, it's one of my great words. I love those master plans. We talked about this a few weeks ago as well, the old master plan. But this is one of the ones we talked about in regards to the Macquarie River master plan. Um 
Now, I know that, again, a few podcasts back, we talked about this and said that it's, it's been up for discussion for a while now in regards to this. It's been sitting there. If you wanted to make a, a comment, if you're out there listening right now and thinking, I want to have a, uh, what am I putting my comment into the Macquarie River Master Plan, um, that's been sitting there on the Dubbo Council website for a while. Is this closing this week or what's, what's happening there with this? It's closed. Oh, so it's closed. Okay, it's, it's gone. So if you've thought about Friday, it, well, bad luck. That's right. <laughs> Hopefully you had lots of opportunities. And yes, lots absolutely. Of, you had, had probably about a month or so, I'd suggest. So. Well, yeah, and, and probably many months of discussion mm. around that. And we, we this is all about that Macquarie River Master Plan. We've got the north end of that master plan, the south end of that master plan. Mm. A lot of people associated that with Regan Park because there was a bit of discussion at the time in Regan Park, but mm. it's bigger than Regan Park. So that's been open for some time. We've had various discussions, various processes along there it's mm. been mm. probably it's probably been about a year since the resolutions went through council to okay. start this yeah, process right. okay. so hopefully that's enough time for everyone to get their information in get their thoughts together and again it did close on the 17th so that's mm-hmm. done and dusted now but it'll still have a bit of a process to go because it's got to go to a council meeting to be finally resolved. So that draft might... Was there a bit of feedback? Do you know if there's feedback I, in regards to I don't to have it? the numbers okay. yet in terms of how many people put submissions in, but I certainly talked to people who told me they were going to put a submission in, okay. which is great. Yeah. We want that pe- feedback from the community. And so basically... We'll take that feedback, we'll look at all that, we'll mm. look at the existing draft master plan, and then from that, council will resolve, and this will probably happen at the March meeting of council, resolve finally for the master plan. So that will then be the master plan, which will be sitting there on the shelf, mm. and nothing will happen with it on day one. Mm. But what that gives us the ability to do is to say, now we can start chipping away at things. If grants come up, federal, mm. state government grants, we say, oh, we've got a project that fits exactly into one of those grants, let's go and chip off this little part mm. here. Or when we're looking at our various plans for things to do, mm. we'll be able to start working our way through that. And a master plan typically sits there for 10, maybe 20 years, might be modified a bit along the way, but mm. it's something to give you the long-term vision. It's but not a guide in regards to where you want to move towards. Exactly yeah. right, guide's the perfect word. It's not something you go out tomorrow and say, let's build all that, and oh no, mm. that's going to cost us $30 million. Mm. It's something that we guide ourselves along the way and give us some direction mm. so you know where you're headed rather than just mm. do things a bit ad hoc. Hey, tell me, is, is, there a, um, is there a priority the council has in regards to the Macquarie River frontage there and that, that's that whole idea of where we're looking at? Is, is, there, is there something here that council... Because I noticed there's the area there, I'm thinking, does this master plan extend all the way down? Remember that there was the entertainment precinct area that was behind or was going to be set up there on... Was it Ollie Robbins Oval down yeah, there? Yeah, is, is that is that still going ahead, or what's so happening? So this with that? master plan specifically didn't apply to the central park because that's a different master. So plan. it's a different part of it, okay? Yeah, and right. that whole area there you're talking about the shared walkway and yes. the entertainment area. So there's it's, it's happening. Mm. It's just being massaged, modified to try and get it right and get it within budget. So mm. that's still a work in progress, and okay. we'll probably be getting some more information out to the community about that as time goes on because we're not about to start construction with that one yet. It'll still happen in some form or some shape, but we're not quite there ready to go forward with that yet. But mm. So that is a different master plan. And again, that's an example of that master plan has got that precinct in there and we've got to work out ways to fund that, to fund that and, and, and get to that, that. I suppose. Yeah, yeah that's exactly okay. right. Well, we've talked about it a few times, but the junior New South Wales Junior Touch Footy Competition, it starts next week, doesn't it? Friday, I think, coming up. Yeah. So we're, we're almost there. It's a couple of days to go, and um, maybe you talked about there last week, just how uh, how much work goes into this and the planning of it. It's been enormous by the committee to get this stuff through. Um, 
Now, a couple of quick questions before we, we get into some of the details of this, because I know a lot of residents out there are probably thinking, okay, how does this affect me generally? I'm pretty keen to want to go down and see it, <laughs> but how does it affect me sort of in my sort of way? Um, we're talking about 7,000 people first and foremost coming here to Dubbo, roundabout. We're talking three to four days they're going to be here. Um, it'll be a massive influx financially in the community in regards to this. We've got a massive influx of people in the community, so there's lots of areas, the restaurants, the pubs, the shopping areas. I can see it going to be an absolute buzz over these four days. Um, I know one resident actually asked me during the week about this, who heard the podcast and, and said, well, what was happening in regards to things like parking? Um, mm. Does this all sort of encompass in regards to parking? Will that affect me with the parking uh, with this as well? So let's let's jump in. Let's delve in first and foremost. So first question is, can I just ask, how did we get this touch football competition, first of all? Because, you know, normally to get something like this, the, these things normally run over a couple of years in places. And um, so how, how, first of all, how did we get it? Yep. And then secondly, uh, in regards to the planning, coming forward in regards to it, what sort of a changes are we going to probably see here in Dubbo over that uh, those couple of days? Sure. So the concept was that the New South Wales Touch Association has two junior state cups. They have a northern conference and a southern conference. Right, yep. We'd previously put a bid in, which is what they do to councils now. They put a bid in. Sometimes they expect you to contribute dollars. They expect a whole range of things from councils because it's really good for a community to get it. Yep. We put a bid in. This is going back before I was on council and we didn't get the bid. It was a three-year bid process so you put it in and you were rewarded that or you didn't and, and away you went Port Macquarie won that bid for the three year time frame and the okay. three year time frame was 21, 22, 23 Port Macquarie had their event with a bit of rain well they didn't actually have their event, they had a bit too much rain right, in yes. 21 and 22 Yep. and it got to the point where New South Wales Touch said if we go back there next year and it rains again, mm. our members are going to be ropeable. Why have you picked Port Macquarie? Mm. And nothing against Port Macquarie, lovely place, and I, I know the mayor of Port Macquarie quite well. And, yes. and again, it's it's nothing personal about them, but it just it didn't seem to work mm. in that time frame when they need to run it mm. with the weather that they have. So they went back out to some of those other communities that had bid for it, Dubbo being one of them, yep. and said, we need to move it for one year because we still are keeping that three-year bid process, but just for a one-year one-off, what can you do for us? And I actually rang the CEO of New South Wales Touch because I'd dealt with him in previous things that we right. had, various tournaments yeah. we had many years ago. So I thought, look, I've got a good enough relationship. I'll, I'll ring him. And I said, mm. I, look, I said, the problem I have with some of these things is that if you're expecting a community to cough up a large sum of money, 50 grand, 100 grand, I just don't think that works for us. What we want to do for you is we don't want to pay you a lot of money, but we will make it happen for you and make it as easy as possible for you. Mm. And he actually said, well, look, You'll have to put your bid in. It'll go through a process. There's a board that'll make a decision on that. He said, but you're right. That is part of our pain. Part of our pain is trying to organise an event from afar. Mm. And he said, sometimes some councils will put in a large sum of money, but they just don't help us at all. Mm. So our team got together. They looked at the bid that we put in previously. They actually didn't offer a large amount of money. Dubbo Touch Association, Dubbo Touch Football Association, actually did contribute some money. Mm. And so we put the bid in and said, Here's what we'll do for you. We will make it a very easy process for you. We will organise things on the ground. We'll mm. work out the hire companies that you've got to use. We'll work out a whole range of things locally and oh, make your fantastic. job as easy as possible. Yeah, yeah. And there's a little bit of money there as well. Yeah. And so in the end, they considered that, the board considered that, and they awarded it to Dubbo for the one year. So right, okay. happy days. Yep. Fantastic. We just hope it doesn't rain. <laughs> <laughs> That's <all right. laughs> 
<laughs> but our fields are very good, so even if yeah, it does rain a bit, our fields yeah. actually drain quite well. Well, anything like today, it's stinking hot. So it, it, at least the, if it does rain, it should wash away pretty quickly. I guess it will dry up pretty fast. Yeah, that's uh, exactly right. It's dried out pretty well. Yeah, so we got it via that process. Now, that doesn't mean we'll get it again. Mm. We've got to do a really good job, and then we'll put in another bid for the next three-year process, for example. Mm. But again, just as a one-off, it's fantastic. So we've had... New South Wales Touch working, we've had Dubbo Touch Football Association, we've had our staff working on it, and again, we've delivered on our promise. We've mm. made things very easy for them. We've worked with lots of different organisations to make it as easy as possible. 187 teams have been registered. 187? That brings with it, based on New South Wales Touch's yeah. numbers, about 7,000 people, as wow. you said. Based on our numbers, yeah. that's about a 4 million plus injection into the economy. So it's that's incredible. all fantastic. Yeah. One of the interesting things there is that 7,000 people... 5,000 motel beds in Dubbo. Yes. Hold on. What are they going to be doing? They're not all going to fit in those. And so we have been... like Mary and Joseph trying to find their stable at Christmas, (laughs) I suggest. It is. It is. (laughs) So when we work with New South Wales Touch to see what we can do, and there will be people definitely who will be staying in Narromine, Gilgandra, Wellington, maybe even as far afield as Parks, but certainly close around that area there. But we've also been working with them doing some homestay program so, okay. that, so that we've actually had people who have been willing to say, yep, well, I'll have someone come stay in my home. So trying to get some people out yeah, yeah, there yeah. into the community, which is probably a nicer experience as well. You get to meet yeah, some yeah. locals, find lovely, out some local information. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so all of those things, the Visitor Information Centre team, they'll be working very hard because mm. people will be here and they'll say, oh, well, I've got a day that I've yeah, got to yeah. sleep now. Or a maybe game at night and a game at four. I've got plenty of time to fill in. That's right. Or may, maybe we didn't make the final, so yeah. we, we could leave early or we could just hang around for another day. Yeah. So they're busy and they've got lots of guides there ready for people to say, here's all these things to do. Yeah. We've reached out to hospitality places in Dubbo to say, you might want to put some extra staff on. Great. You might want to be open for some extra hours. There'll be a lot of business around there. So yes. a lot of things happening there. We've also put out a plan for the community. And if you haven't seen it and you're concerned about it, go onto our website, on the council website, and have a look about the road closures. So there will be road closures. It starts this Friday, so the 24th. Mm. It goes 24th, 25th, 26th, so Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and there'll be road closures on those days, and we've got those details on our website. Mm. But essentially, around that whole Lady Cutler precinct, we're trying to restrict cars as much as possible. There will be some cars needed for various things in there, yeah. but restrict cars as much as possible because you'll have 7,000 people That's there. a lot of people. Is, is there a parking area then that you're setting up there? Is any other area, like a field's going to be open up for parking? Or what, what's the plan for the parking? There is a map on my social media and on the council website. It shows the road closures around the Lady Cutler Precinct for the event. It'll generally cover roads around Sandy Beach Road, Ian Drake Drive, South Street, plus... Some parts there of Bly Street, Temmer Street, and even a bit of Macquarie Street. There's some parking on the south side of Temmer Street, but that's designed for the families of people competing in the touch footy event. There's also a little bit of parking in the centre of the whole event, but that's for officials and some disability parking in there. But New South Wales Touch wants to keep the entire area as car-free as possible because you've got kids wandering around the various fields. If local residents want to watch some of the action, then... I'd encourage them to park away from the area and walk to the event. There's 30 playing fields that are there that are going to be used, so a lot of touch happening across there. (laughs) So that's all very exciting. But again, it might Mm. be someone that goes down to work down along the CBD somewhere and they might live along Macquarie Street. And so they might be used to just driving down and going down Blyer Street and then they'll get there on Saturday morning and go, oh, I can't get down there. So just be aware of that. That whole area will be incredibly busy. There'll be road blockages in place anyway. 
park run, for example, is said they're not going to run mm. on the Saturday because it's just, just too yeah, hard for people to get to it. And you, you've got lots of fields will be taken up. There'll be too many people around that area yeah. to try and run park run effectively. So they're really good with an event on. Mm. They normally cancel park run when the Titan Macquarie mud runs on, mm. for example. Mm, they do, so they're, that's right. they're really good to, to work with the community as well in that type of scenario. I imagine that maybe Narromine or Mudgee or Parks Park runs might be a bit busier yeah, on that day. from the, the Saturday runs as well. Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah. So it'll be a different scene around that area. And obviously we want the people, the organisers, everyone to have a, a great experience there. So mm. as much as we can from our community perspective, work out anything you can do to try and make it a great experience for those people. Yeah, absolutely. How wonderful it's going to be. It's fantastic. <laughs> Ah, now this is uh, something very close to my heart. I, I enjoy this. This is the the Art Express. My my daughter um, is one of those little like she thinks she's a budding artist. I like to think she's a budding artist, a proud parent as well, of course. But uh, she loves all the art. And now, of course, Art Express. This is where the Year Twelve students, the the very top Year Twelve students in the the field of art, um, a very core group, a very small little core group, gets selected every year. And they get to present their artwork around the state in in certain uh, galleries. Now, of course, Dubbo, with our beautiful gallery we've got, we're actually very fortunate because we get to see Art Express. Seems to have been the last three or four years at least anyway. Maybe goes back longer than that. And, of course, we've got a a local girl by the name of Kira Bussey, a little St John's College girl, very proud to sort of state that. Um, Kira, beautiful kid, um, did some magnificent artwork, and her work's been selected uh, in the display that's coming again. Now, this all arrives here in Dubbo this Friday. So it opens up at 6 o'clock on Friday, so I would recommend, you don't have to go to the opening, it'll be obviously on display there, but if you can get to the opening, fantastic. Mm. This Friday at 6pm, you might be busy with touch footy on this Friday. That's right, it's going to be a busy weekend, isn't (laughs) it? That's right. But there'll be over 40 artworks there on display. It's wonderful. And I've been along to many of these previously, and Mm. what I do love is the variety. Doing art now in Mm. your HSC gives you an incredible amount of flexibility, and a couple Mm. of my kids did art as well. Actually, three yes, of my kids did yes. art. And I just know the different projects they did were quite incredible in terms of the variety there. But when you mm. go along to Art Express, you see a whole range of different things. Mm. It's not art as you would imagine art would have been well back when we were at school, for no, example. No. It's certainly art that's different. And I'm actually quite amazed some of the artworks that are produced by the kids, given the fact that they're having to do this in a certain time frame around all their other subjects. It's not like they're a professional artist and they just dedicate yeah. themselves to this one project for several months. They've got to still fit in the rest of their study uh, and yes. still get this done. And I look at some of the things and I just go, wow, how do they do that in the time available to them yes. and the quality of it? So it's, I actually really like it. And as you say, it is the best of the best. It yes. is taking the yes. best artworks from across the state and then putting them on display. Mm. It's great to see a local student have her artwork displayed yes, there. That's a, yes. obviously a really proud moment for her. Yes. But yeah, just walking around there, and there'll be a big crowd there, I'm sure, at the opening because people do get excited by it. There's probably two, uh, and I'll get in trouble from the from Western Plains Cultural Centre for saying this, but there's two that I love at the Cultural Centre each year that are ongoing things. Yes. Art Express and Waste to Art are two oh, ones yes, that I absolutely yes, love yes. going along to. Yes. Uh, again, we get all sorts of other things. We've got the next Archibald finals exhibition coming to us this year as well. So oh, I, I probably should include the Archibald yes, in there. But it's probably one of those bigger events as yeah, well. Yeah, that's, that's right. It, yes. but, but seeing those two, Art Express and Waste to Art, mm. Not professional artists, people who are just get in there and do things. Just the creativity is absolutely mm. fantastic. So I really mm. enjoy that, and I'm looking forward to, to going along on Friday and having uh, a look at that as well. Might for joining you along, I think. There sounds like a wonderful night. All right, Matt. That's uh, finishing up now towards the end of the show, and of course, this is the time here for the limerick. 
Well, the highlight of my week last week, lots of highlights. Every week I have lots of highlights, but I do get a bit of a buzz out of new residents. Yes. They come along. I tell them the correct answer as to why they moved to Dubbo is because of the great mayor and councillors we've got in Dubbo. <laughs> and they laugh sometimes. Yeah, so, yeah, you know, I'm not sure yeah, if they're, yeah. they're thinking that's a joke that I'm saying. No, it's no, 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 absolutely. You know, vanity, vanity is subtlety. There it is. <laughs> that's right. So, my limerick this week is all about our new residents. Oh, lovely. Here we go. In Dubbo, the new residents did land. Moving from all across this great wide land, they soon found out what Dubbo is about. And they now think that Dubbo is just grand. Oh, well done. Well done, yes. And to all the new residents out there who uh, who we welcome with our arms open to you, welcome here to Dubbo Town. Well, folks, that just about, of course, wraps up for another Merrill Memo. It's been another busy week, and I'm sure the fact that this week coming up, get out there to that New South Wales Touch Footy competition, get yourself down there to the Art Express as well, and whatever you're doing, go out there and have some fun in this beautiful region of ours. Until next week, everyone, take care. Meryl Memo with Matthew Dickerson from Dubbo Regional Council.